Welcome to the audio podcast of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage, the show where you can talk face-to-face with your favorite MLB players and personalities. Hi, everybody. This is the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. I am JB. It is time for another MLB draft version as Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, MLB Pipeline team, joins us. They're geared up out there at the MLB Network because it's, it's draft time. Gentlemen, how are you? We're good. We got our see, we got our sleeves rolled up. up. We're 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 getting dirty. We're working hard. I'm pumped, pumped, JB. I, I feel like I have as much. Usually this time, a uh, day before the draft, you've been up all night. You know, energy. I I feel as invigorated as ever at uh, this time. So it's uh, looking forward to a good draft tonight. I'll have what he's having. All right. I'm just excited like about being in the chatting cage. <laughs> as well, you should be. It's like Christmas Eve without having to put together bikes. That's how we look at this. I don't thing. have to it's, wrap any presents. <laughs> I just get to just get to watch the teams open them in a few hours. That's exactly how we work. Now, <laughs> folks, you know how the chatting cage works. You get your webcam fired up. You join us right here in the cage. Get FaceTime with Jonathan and Jim. And while you do that, do that, I will use Twitter because we have lots of questions right there. And let's begin with. I like this one from double O Alice what's the biggest difference in your job gentlemen from say five or ten years ago that people are paying attention to us no um <laughs> I, I, you know I, I just I mean first of all there's there's a lot more information out there and there are a lot more people uh who care I think about the draft and who's going where and and who these players are and and while it's still not college football or college basketball I think there's more basic knowledge of at least who the top players are than there was five, ten years ago. I'd agree. I think, uh, I think there's, there's definitely more interest. There's more demand for the information. There's more competition. There's more people covering it. And I think with, with Twitter and, and Facebook and my daughter says I need to get on Facebook and I haven't yet and all these other social media aspects, it's more of a 24-hour news cycle. So you've got to be prepared. If you learn this about something at 11 p.m., tweet it out. You know, there, there's just that kind of demand. It's 24-7. Uh, it is exciting. It is a 24-7 process, and as people get more information, they need guys like you to help us understand all of it. So thanks for joining us here in the cage to do just that. I know the fans are getting their webcams fired up as we continue this Edward Jones chatting cage, just like this fan right here. What's your name? Where are you from? What's your question? My name is Sam. I'm from Tampa, Florida. Uh, my question is, if you can go back in the last, say, 25 years and draft one player who wasn't originally selected in the first round to build a team around, who would that player be? Wow, one player who wasn't a first rounder right. that you would build your team around uh, in the last 25 okay, well, years. Gonna, I think you're stalling, so I'm going to jump gonna, in. No, ah. all right, I'm going to go with Giancarlo Stanton, who was Mike Stanton when he was drafted in the second round. And I can't remember off the top of my head what year that was. Uh, but obviously, uh, he was a guy who was drafted because of his athleticism and raw power. Uh, you know, The question was, will he hit enough to tap into the power? I think he's going to hit enough to tap into that power. So that's, uh, that's, who, that's who I'll go with, just a second rounder. But that's the first name that popped in my head. I'm going to go Albert Pujols, who was the 13th rounder. Um, I think, you know, obviously one of the best right-hand hitters of all time. You know, overlooked at the time. He was a junior college player. The, the people were having a hard time getting a handle on him. He graduated from high school early, played in junior college in the spring, what would have been his high school senior season. There were questions about what position he'd play. People weren't exactly sure of his background, weren't exactly sure how, quite how old he was. Um, but obviously great pick by the Cardinals. Well, that's a tremendous answer from the pool of information that Sam asked for and a tremendous question from Sam out there in, in the fandom, bringing the, bringing the thunder, bringing the questions early here in this Edward Jones Chatting Cage. That's Jonathan Mayo. That's Jim Callis. I'm JB. Fans, fire your webcam up or use Twitter. Hashtag Chatting Cage is how you get your information to us, and these gentlemen can answer it. Now, guys, I know there's a lot of people out there, and a lot of people have specific questions about certain prospects. 
If you don't know him, let me know. I certainly don't have the vast sum of information you do, so I'll just go to Twitter and fly blind. Nothing like a white knuckle ride. Here we go. This is from the Spicy Brycey. What's the take on power-hitting outfield prospect Kep Brown from my hometown of Charleston, South Carolina? Kep's a guy who's going to kind of hard to figure out where he's going to go. He, he was one of the better power hitters available in the draft. I saw him as a guy who could potentially go in the sandwich round or second round, I think. You know, maybe for there isn't much power in this draft, so maybe somebody would have popped him in the first round. But he injured his Achilles tendon and didn't get seen down the stretch. And it, it's tough because it's not really an injury that's going to affect him long term. I mean, he's, he's pretty athletic for his size, but it wasn't like he was a speed guy. He's a power guy. But I would not see him necessarily going before the second round. And I'm not sure exactly if he does go there. But I think second round is probably the high point for him. Yeah, I think one of the things with a guy like that, because he has raw power and you want to see, you know, well, is it going to show up in games at all? There were no games this spring to see. So you saw him over the summer. There was a little swing and miss, uh, you know, to be expected. Um, if he ended up, I think he's committed to Miami, if, I don't, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up there, you know, if there's a certain point where he needs to get drafted. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. But it's hard when you can't see a guy all spring, even if the injury is not related to your skill set, uh, to, to decide to take him in the early going as a result. Well, one of the things that's tough at this point, too, is I think we have a pretty good handle on the ability of most of the top prospects in the draft. But I, I wish we had the signability peg for all these guys, but we don't. And that will have a, a large impact on where a lot of these high right. school guys go. Exactly what they're asking for will determine if they go earlier or late or not at all. Well, there you have it, folks. Just like that. You can be like the spicy Bryce and get your answer question right here in the Edward Jones chatting cage, either via webcam or Twitter. You see how it works. Get FaceTime with the MLB Pipeline draft experts, Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis. Let's see what this fan has to ask. What's your name? Where you're from? What's your question? Jelani. My name is Jelani Howard from Valencia, California, and I was wondering where uh, first baseman Devin Davis might go in the draft. He's got power. Yeah. I mean, I think he could go. Again, it's signability, and I don't have the signability pegged on all these guys. I think there isn't a lot of power in this draft. I think a team that likes him could take him in the third to fifth round if he's signable there. I, and, I, and I don't know the signability of him, but I think if he's signable, you're looking third to fifth round probably. Yeah, and, and you know, one thing that you know, comes into play, especially teams that have multiple picks, uh, with the system the way it works now, you can you know, spend your pool money however you want. So if there's a team that has saved some money in the first couple rounds or plans to save some money later, if they determine, and this goes for Devin Davis or any of the high school players that, you know, that a team is considering, uh, they can shift money around. And if Devin Davis, for instance, says, well, I need to get top 50 pick kind of money to sign and you take them in the fourth round, you may be able to shuffle the money around so you can afford to, to sign them. All right, excellent question. Way to field that one. As I said, specific prospects. A lot of people focused on the people they know. As you guys try to catch the whole universe, we appreciate your time and your answer. I'm going to go back to a name I think you might recognize. This from the Walter L. White. What does the Brady Aiken saga all mean? Uh, a miniseries deal? Um, <laughs> I, you know, he's. there are a few wild cards in this draft, and we've talked about a lot of them over the course of the last several weeks you know, in terms of injuries, but... Uh, obviously, uh, for Brady Aiken, number one pick last year, uh, Astros had questions about his medical report, uh, an abnormally small UCL in his left elbow. He didn't show any signs of injury. That got mishandled in a number of ways. He doesn't sign. He goes to IMG Academy, 13 pitches in, his elbow pops, he needs Tommy John surgery. Now, the last couple of years, there have been guys who have had Tommy John surgery and they've done just well, but when you add in that wrinkle of 
well, what does the fact that he had a small UCL to begin with mean for his long-term prognosis? It gets a lot harder to figure out where, you know, where to put him, but we've been hearing him kind of all over the map. Yeah, it's, it's like the team that, I keep saying this, the team that's going to pick a guy like him or Colby Allard or Michael Matchuel or Nathan Kirby, they aren't going to tip their hand because it's probably a multi-pick team that would maybe hope to get him later, but they don't, you know, if, if they tip their hand, then they might have to take him with their earlier pick. The highest I've heard him, and I think it's more of a long, long shot, would be Boston at seven. Boston could get creative. Um, you know, if it's not Boston at seven, I think it's somewhere in the back half of the first round. I think he goes in the first round. Yep. Not, I don't know specifically to whom. I do think on his signability, my sense is that he did protect himself against this kind of scenario after he didn't sign with the Astros last year and that he will be signable. You know, if you pick him in the latter part of the first round, it's not like he's going to try to, to angle for $5 million. I think he is going to be signable yeah. where he gets picked, um, but we're probably going to find out who takes him when his name actually gets announced tonight sometime after 7 p.m. Eastern. All right, well, there you have it, folks. As Jonathan said, basically, it's a miniseries saga coming to MLB.com and MLB Network this fall. It's the Brady Aiken saga. We'll see how that draft plays out. We will be a big part of this as these guys watch it and do you. We will go to social media as Twitter is afire with questions for you two guys, Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis. I like this one, and I also like the, I like the name, so I'm going to give a shout-out in both ways. 34 Big Cheese wants to know, <laughs> who's the best athlete in this draft? Jim is. <laughs> no, it's a, maybe maybe 25 years ago. Now, to me, I think the best athlete in this draft is Garrett Whitley from, I, we'll see if I pronounce it right, Niskayuna High School in it. New York. Um, I, I think Whitley is going to go somewhere in the first 20 picks or so. Um, you know, there's a lot of talented high school outfielders in this draft, but I think he's the, the quickest among them. You know, he's, he's maybe the least polished. You know, he, he comes from, from New York. He's not from Texas like Trenton Clark or Georgia like Das Cameron or Florida like Kyle Tucker. Um, but exciting athlete, might have the highest ceiling of just about any player in this draft. I think there's a ton of upside there. I'll throw out one other name, uh, a guy who hasn't had necessarily as great a spring as some people hope. And again, I'm going to try to get the name right, but Demi Aremoloy, uh, who's from Canada. Uh, not like a pure speed. I mean, he is uh, just a, a big, giant, man-childish kind of kind of guy. Uh, I saw him last summer in the East Coast Pro Showcase, and he was really a man amongst boys. He's big and strong. He's got a lot of power. He runs well. He's got a strong arm. Didn't perform tremendously this year, uh, but, uh, you know, if he watches his conditioning, there's a lot of raw tools there. So that's a, another athletic uh, a guy to keep an eye out for. Uh, could hear him in the second round, I think, is about as, as high as, as he would go. Or Malloy is probably most likely to be an NFL linebacker in this draft crowd. He looks yep, like he a looks, linebacker. Yes. And one guy we should mention, Brendan Rodgers, number one prospect in he's the draft. A, he's a pretty good athlete. Pretty good athlete. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good athlete there. Nice way. We kind of like him. Sum up that scouting report like that. So there you have it, folks. Just like that, either use your webcams or use your webcams. Your webcam or Twitter. And join us here in the <coughs> chatting cage. Get FaceTime with Jonathan and Jim so you can be a part of the show and see how we make things go. This is the magic that is the Edward Jones Chatting Cage, is that you are the fuel of the whole show. Otherwise, the three of us just sit around and stare blankly at the Internet. That's pretty much what it would be. We go back <laughs> to social media right now, and I'm going to go with, let's see. Oh, this one looks like a, a shout-out from Opinion ML Blogs. Why would the Rockies draft Tyler J over Brendan Rodgers? Well, if they want a pitcher. <laughs> that's the, that's the, I mean that's I mean that's really the simple answer, yep. and I think Jim and I have the same information that those are the two guys that they are they are looking at, and it's going to come down to Rogers' overall talent versus they need pitching, uh, they need to develop arms, uh, you know, and they if they take Tyler J, it's because they 
have a belief that he can start long term. And, and I'm going to guess that question is, is asked. It's Twitter, so they couldn't have a long question along the veins of, you know, why would you take a reliever? This guy's only made one start in three years of college, though he's supposed to start today in the Super Regionals against Vanderbilt. This guy, you, you wish he had the track record of starting so you could examine it. But, you know, he's 6'1", 180, but it's four pitches. It's plus stuff, very good fastball and slider, tremendous control, I think four walks all year, athletic, quick arm, good delivery, repeats it, competes. This guy could be a starting pitcher. You'd be more convicted if you saw it and you knew how he held up from start to start. But this isn't just, oh, we're taking a reliever at three. This guy's a legitimate starting pitcher. All right, excellently done. Thank you, gents. Before we say goodbye, I like this question, so I'm going to ask you real quick before we wrap up this session. This is from It's Joy 54 who stands to gain the most in this year's draft? So, and to my mind, it's sort of that idea of like, which team do you see really needs, is that a, that pressure point in their sort of dynasty to really make a move this year? I think the obvious answer is the Astros. They've got the biggest bonus pool, 17 million plus. You know, when you count in the 5% overage, they can go to $18 million on draft spending, plus guys after the 11th round, so they can easily set a record. They've got an unprecedented double Pick two, pick five. Yeah. Nobody's ever had those two picks that high. Plus, they're winning now. It's probably the last time they're going to pick this high for a while. So I think it's an important, you know, and they've promoted so many guys to the big leagues recently, their system, which was strong. All those guys are in the big leagues. So this is like really like probably their last attempt for a while to pick, not just pick at the top of the draft, but to get two cracks at it. They also have a ton of flexibility. We think there's a chance they can maybe steal Daz Cameron, who's another top 10 caliber talent in the sandwich round, in the second round. So I think the obvious answer is the Astros. Yeah, I think that that's a good answer. And you look back at what they did in 2012, where you know they, quote-unquote, reached for Carlos Correa a little tiny bit, saved some money with the deal at 1-1, and then were able to, to sign Lance McCullers and Rio Ruiz. Now, Rio Ruiz uh, has since been traded to, to get pieces that they felt they needed and has helped their, their big league team out now. But you look at that 2012 draft, Correa just got called up. He's making his debut today. Lance McCullers is already in the big leagues. And Preston Tucker was from that draft class as well, and he's in the big leagues as well. So I think if they can have that kind of draft, again, that three big leaguers from a draft three years ago is, uh, is pretty tremendous, uh, considering it wasn't that long before that they had one of the most disastrous drafts ever in terms of not signing any of their early picks uh, and, and others not doing well. So uh, they have a chance to kind of keep a good thing going. That, mm -hmm. that pipeline has, you know, fed the big league team an awful lot. That's why they're playing a much better brand of, of baseball right now. And uh, a good draft here could give them a, another wave of players to come in behind the young players that are there in Houston now. All right, so a very exciting draft and time for the Houston Astros. We'll keep our eyes on that. Gentlemen, as always, I know it's a busy, busy, busy couple of days for you. Uh, I hope it's as, just as good as any holiday eve you might wish for. I want to thank you, Jonathan and Jim, for being with us. You guys feel like you made pretty good contact in the cage today? So it's important. Get your good cuts in. Yeah, I think it was some solid contact. I need to stay back a little bit more, but I'm getting there. All right, I feel like I was hitting the ball. And if we were at Wrigley, I think I'd put a couple on Waveland. So <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> Nicely done. I'm telling uh, you, I'm, I'm pumped for he today. Is pumped. This is it's great. A big day. It's a accurate scouting. That's the key to everything right there. That's Jonathan Mayo, Jim Callis. I'm JB. That wraps it up for another round of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. We'll see you next time.